Welcome to the Renegade Yogi Podcast Experience. Join myself, Zora Nunger, and this episode's guest as we explore yoga in the modern world. Prepare yourself as we will experience yoga like never before. Hello and welcome to the Renegade Yogi podcast experience. My name is Zora Nunder. I'm here with a good friend of mine who I met through the yoga community, through particularly Prana and other events around the city. And I'm just so happy to be able to talk about everything yoga and more uh, with my friend here. So give it up for Shreena Patel. Hi. <laughs> Nice, so nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're so welcome. Yeah, I've just been kind of on a mission with this podcast to reach out to people in my life who have had a meaningful impact. And, you know, looking back at all the events and everything that you've done, um, it's always been so inspiring to see how um, passionate you are in it, right? And, it's been just a staple of your life throughout your entire life. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's so good and cool to see Dharma in action, you know, and like living one's karma directly. And it's just so clear. And I'm sure at times uh, challenging, mm -hmm. right? It's not, uh, <laughs> it's not always going to be so easy. <laughs> that is uh, most definitely true. And thank you for saying that it's my Dharma. Like mm -hmm. to me, when I hear that, especially teaching in the West. That's always like, um, when, when I hear that, it's like a nice reminder that yes, this is my path. And it's really easy, like you're saying here, it's to stay on that path is really challenging at times, especially mm -hmm. when you're teaching here in the West because you're dealing with so much um, yoga that is um, capitalized, commercialized. Yeah appropriated not to jump right into it but yeah. <laughs> that's what makes I mean, it a challenge yeah that's yeah. definitely the core of this conversation right and that's mm -hmm. something really important i think to um have people understand when taking on a practice right and i think it's mm -hmm. any practice and where it comes from and that there are traditions in it that are really important to learn and mm -hmm. to the best of your ability to uphold, right? right? Because that is the cornerstone of that tradition, right? That's what mm -hmm. kept it alive for so long. So in my mind, I'm happy and I'm grateful to have come to that realization and um, be able to have the opportunity to really witness it, right? Going to India or even going to Thailand, you know, wherever... I've traveled over the world, but predominantly and what like really touching to me was going to India, you know, mm. um, I actually cried when I landed the first time. I was just going to ask you, I don't think I've ever heard you tell the story of you going to India and studying. Like we were just chatting a little bit about why you called the podcast Renegade Go mm -hmm. Yogi. So I wonder if you could like 
give me a little yeah of course sneak peek so i started yoga in when i was in university and that was like 2009 2010 Mm. and prior to even getting into the practice i was already studying just metaphysics in general right just the mind philosophical um new age energetic stuff right Mm -hmm. and i stumbled upon the chakras and that's what catapulted me into wanting to know more about yoga Mm. um because i found on the internet there was a limitation on really what the depth is in its understanding and its history and its tradition Mm. and so that curiosity is what led me into okay i gotta study yoga more and my good friend Chris, like you know Chris. Yeah, I do know Chris. We yeah. have this parallel life of studying yoga. Like we've been friends since we were four years old. So we, he was a huge catalyst into getting me to actually commit to it more. Mm. <clears throat> and so. That's such a lovely friendship. Yeah, and what that led to was discovering prana because Chris invited me to a 30 day sunrise challenge. Oh, yeah. And so that was back in 2011. And we did the 30-day challenge, and I think almost near – it must have been just one of the few days, right, that I was there. Mm -hmm. I noticed a picture of Vishwaji, right, when he's he's in this seated pose where his feet are folded up in his stomach. And he's going like this. (laughs) And he's got the most blissful, happy face. (laughs) And there's a moon over it, right? I totally see that picture. And I looked at Isabel and asked, who is this guy? And she's laughed. She's like, oh, that's Vishwaji. That's like the teacher. That's our teacher, right? And he, um, you know, he leads the 200-hour training. Mm -hmm. I just looked at her. I was like, yeah, I'm going to that one. And I just decided right then and there. And I had no idea how it was going to happen. Wow. And I just... That action led into a synchronicity of kind of carrying that forward of just not knowing if I was going to make something happen or not, but just Mm -hmm. trusting that I had um, a couple of yoga teachers teaching out of my apartment downtown, and we just had Mm. a few different students, and they were teaching the Agama yoga um, that is out of Thailand, right? Okay. And they were super lovely um, folks, and... You know, I was learning so much about myself. I had this really surreal experience of doing trikonasana triangle, but way mm-hmm. differently. Like your feet are parallel with each other, and they're not that far apart. Okay. And you're just like this, and your hand wow. is floating, and your arm is just up, and you're kind of on an angle. And it's really intense to do the. the yeah, so there. we hold it for like five minutes on each side. Wow. Yeah, Agama was really That's intense. That's intense, yeah. That was the most intense yoga I've ever done. Hours of it. Of and then you did yin. Like that. No, yogi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I broke my arm when I was 16. Oh. And I didn't, at that point, I didn't really heal it properly. Mm-hmm. And when I was doing that posture, I felt this warmth right in the middle Mm -hmm. that almost turned electric it was like a little ball that suddenly just like burst and it dispersed all the energy in my wrist and it completely changed all the tension all that loss of energy just totally dispersed and i from that point 
in my yoga journey, I was unlocking these kind of levels of having these experiences that mm. led to more deeper internal realizations and those unlockings, right? Yeah. And so that happened all in the same year. So 2011 to 2012, right? Wow, so I decided move. to go to Thailand and I decided to do Chaju training, which both happened because of the work that I was doing, right? That Two trips in one year. Yeah. Wow. So I went to Thailand for two months and went to the Agama school and met the Swami there, mm -hmm. which is super controversial now because that dude is terrible. Oh, yeah. And it's so That's sad great. to see because <laughs> when I went there, it was at its almost like golden age of of being a school that he had mm. so many beautiful teachers and amazing people that were mm. actually r really advanced in their yoga asana and practice, mm. right? It's very unfortunate. Yeah. And that is where my more in-depth philosophy of yoga came in, that I was learning mm -hmm. so much about all the chakras, how to use the um, bija mantras, how to use the meditations, how, like the asanas mm. associated with all of them and how to focus on it and stuff. And then the pranavayus and koshas and so much more just in two levels right there's 24 levels that are month-long levels mm -hmm. um but i went from that to the akanda 200 hour teacher training and then mm. met vishvaji and then that's where everything changed because i had this comparison between the swami there who's just some romanian man and Vishvaji, oh, who's like, Sorry. yeah, a legit <laughs> like, like oh. Himalayan yoga PhD master, you know? And, and you can like follow that lineage. Yeah. And that's like so important to like know the lineage, right? So then there's, because there's so many issues not to. Um, no, go ahead. Uh, go it ahead. Was, uh, it was, you just hear about this so much where all these like swamis and gurus are, they're just abusing their their power essentially yeah, it is yeah. power right and when people exactly come to you happens. they they come to learn they come to like be part of something bigger mm -hmm. and if you if you've been given with this if you've been gifted this knowledge and you have a responsibility to pass it down like mm -hmm. one make sure you're the right person for this like you have to check in with yourself first that's right you can't just go to anyone but when people are in that vulnerable position in their life they're going to people who are who say and claim that they have this knowledge. Oh, yeah. And I think it's it's really unfortunate that some people are having these experiences because it does it does cast a really um, a very terrible shadow on all of yoga mm -hmm. or all of, like and it doesn't it doesn't just happen with yoga like it happens in so many different um, practices. Mm -hmm. So many different like pathways of leading back to yourself is anyway. But I'm really happy you got into Akanda. You met Vishvaji. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm really, really happy and you had that journey. The synchronicity has just kept going, right? Yeah. And the powerful moment in the 200 hour was the last week where we go out uh, for a retreat and Vishvaji mm. comes and he teaches the last week. And there was one day I didn't go because I wasn't feeling well. And in the prana program you have two days that you can miss otherwise you have to um you don't get your diploma whatever you have to make up afterwards that's right um where i had one day left and i wasn't feeling well and i just thought to myself you know what it's the kosha class day like i know it well i'm just mm -hmm. i'm gonna take this day to like sleep in and rest right yeah 
And this is at five in the morning where you get up and, you know, you go to the meditation and then you do um, the yoga class. Mm -hmm. And it's like an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So I fall back asleep. Yeah. Yeah. I immediately wake up and my door to my room is open and it's like midday and the sun is coming in and I can see the rolling hill of the plane and the um, uh, and the trees and everything. And these two butterflies go by and suddenly Vishuji is standing at the foot of my bed and he's wearing all white robes and he's like gleaming white light. And I look at him. I'm like, Vishuji, what are you doing here? And he just puts his hand out and he's like, come. And it was so, it was just so intense. But the part of me that decided to go to bed because I was sick kicked in and i was like no vishuji i can't go to your class i'm too sick <laughs> and he just let his hand down he's like closed his eyes and it was gone and i oh woke up goodness. and i was like oh no way as <laughs> if as if i didn't just go with him like oh i was so distraught at myself <laughs> and, and i wake up and oh i'm like God. holy shit the door closed you know yeah it, it was totally a dream like a full-on lucid dream I look at my clock. It's six o'clock, right when the class is starting. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? This is just too intense right now. I'm just gonna go back to <laughs> I sleep. Just gotta sleep it off. Yeah. And I wake oh up God. later. I go to breakfast and I wait until lunchtime because he'll go to his room for a shavasana, right? Mm-hmm. Take a little nap. And I catch up to him and I'm like, hey. So I had this dream <laughs> this morning that you came to me and you were like wearing these white robes and you told me to come with you out somewhere. I was like, did you do that? And he laughed and he's like, no, I didn't do that. That's hilarious. And um, I was like, no, I noticed that you weren't there. So I thought, oh, I wonder if he's okay. I hope he's okay. And it just blew my mind. And I was like, oh my God, you just thinking that if I was okay, you know, put me into this, that also speaks of like your. I don't know if you remember him saying this, but he makes this joke of uh, his like Wi-Fi signal with his students. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, once I give you a name, this is like a Wi-Fi that's established. Yeah. And I remember looking at him and being like, what? <laughs> and then knowing, like knowing that this is like it's legit. Like, yeah. I have felt like, especially like before yoga class or after. I know my the fir- very first workshop I ever taught. Uh, it wasn't even in Edmonton. It was in BC and. I remember just thinking, like, before I walked into my class, I was like, I am so nervous. I haven't taught a class. This is my first class I'm teaching since, like, my teacher training. Oh, my God. And then, like, I, I just, like, kind of connected. And I was just like, Vishaji, like, I need you to just, like, send me something. I don't know, but I'm reaching out. Like, send me a blessing or something. And he literally, all I heard him say was, why are you worried? How are you home? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes yes all right <laughs> let's do this i got this and he was it was just his way of saying like you already know that you have this this is like this is within you yeah it's always been within you Shana. Yeah. like you just need to like now you must walk the path yeah it's great that you know this be aware of this and now do the thing that you're here to do yeah exactly and that's so beautiful that you have that journey in a kind of yoga it's like you it was like your next step. It's like you needed to be there to understand what was being unblocked in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the challenging thing was that I learned so much from both schools, and mm. so I considered both of them my teachers in a sense at that time. And 
luckily i was given more opportunity to actually see vishaji more because he would come to edmonton every year right? right and um it wasn't until i went back in 2016 to thailand that i saw everything crumbling apart and mm. i saw how corrupted everything was and it's really this um twisting of influence because of how that school was using tantra right mm. and um and so so much came to light of all of his corruption right and so when i was there i had this amazing opportunity to split from it seamlessly and harmoniously because the island itself is so powerful it's a giant rose smoky clear quartz island that's what the island's made out of we're definitely gonna talk about this after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh anytime i went there mm -hmm. it was very clear because i was already working with crystals and i had this in my awareness that your actions are guided subtly by all this resonance of these crystals right mm -hmm. and so it has this really beautiful supportive energy in what you're clearly doing so when i went there specifically for yoga mm -hmm. and uncovering in myself what yoga means i had this beautiful experience of just deep peace and and transformational or transformational experiences mm. and when i went the second time that wasn't there right wow. because you, like, the school yeah because the school just fell apart right and it was upholding that at that time right Th that was the catalyst yeah. Um, and largely because all the senior teachers left, right? And they were the pillars, and so the whole thing crumbled. And so I had this beautiful opportunity to shift into a different yoga studio and teach out of there and meet a whole new group of people. Oh, that's great. And then decide fully, yep, Vishuji is my teacher, right? And mm. this school is acting as a catalyst to, like, uphold the goodness that it is, right? Mm -hmm. And... I noticed that this cycle appeared four years after doing the teacher trainings that then I had this new another opportunity to go to Thailand, which I did, and then the next opportunity to do the 300 hour. And so I ended up doing wow. both in the same year again, <laughs> four years later. You love the condensed life. Yeah, just I just me into I it. tuned I into it so <laughs> clearly as just, yeah, there's this four year cycle. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's I think it's just yoga itself. And um, I'm just going to go into it. Yeah. And then, everything. yeah, then that was the next level of doing the 300 hour and meeting amazing yeah. people out there and perpetuating these strings of synchronicities, right? And so I have s so much gratitude for what it's done to change my life, right? Because mm -hmm. um, that I was, a I went to India twice after, or once more after that, right? So in total, I went there twice. Um, and I have one more to do so they also have a um apprenticeship program so you can come and mm. assist teach the 200 hour and 300 hour and it actually helps you build this like thousand hour package this is how i've just kind of thinking about it in my mind it's not really so official where, you, where you'll get a certificate that you did these like thousand hours of teacher training mm -hmm. assistance um but i kind of view it that way because then um ultimately i do want to teach teacher trainings right i'm like re-emerging on my path of yoga and wanting to teach it but in a way that is still aligned with the kanda yoga and the principles that it upholds right because mm -hmm. i think in this in a new wave of yoga that's coming vishaji is a huge part in catalyzing
realizing the truth and your goodness and wholeness, right? Mm-hmm. And and delivering a whole yoga, yeah, like a whole yoga approach, not like here are the asanas or this is separate yeah. from this. It's like yoga is all of this. Yeah. And so what I was able to do in both schools is that I noticed that yes, in the Agama program, it was much more in depth. The mm-hmm. Swami actually did a good job in packaging the yoga together and systematizing how and when you learn each chakra and, and about the koshas and prana or pranabayas and then kundalini and everything about kundalini. Um, but then there's Vishuji, who is the more wholesome space holder of how the system grows, right? And so it's so much more inspiring to be on the side and allied with someone who is clearly on the dharmic path of healing humanity rather than just Mm. taking from the system, right? Because that's, I think, what the fault is in yoga is that people are putting their personality and their ego into it and they're taking out of it what they can benefit from it, right? Mm. Rather than devoting yourself to it and absolving yourself into it and becoming what it is that is goodness for humanity, right? And that's... um, yeah, that's just where I've gone to, and there's challenges. We live in a weird world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great way to put that, yeah. <laughs> it's it's tough to absolve yourself completely when you're here, though. Mm-hmm. Like, when I look at Vishwaji's life and what he's able to do, I think a lot of it is, you know, where he is, his environment. Mm-hmm. And also, like, he has been studying this for years. Like, this has been his path since he was, like, 14 or something right even earlier even earlier he was like six he tried to run away from home oh yeah yeah that's true (laughs) um yeah he started it when he was eight yeah and i think it's once you're kind of like on that path and you're and you've built a foundation and you've built an organization and there's a there's a part of your service a, a really big part of your service that is going to nonprofit organizations i think he he is that thing that he has set out to do Mm-hmm. and it's been a lifelong journey and it continues to be so but he's immersed himself completely in it i think here in the west like when we are teaching we're also we're trying to pay bills and <laughs> like yeah trying to just, exactly and like then like be part of the society and like and contribute in this way like i always try to look at it like okay i can't because that's what, something that definitely um that was actually a question that came up in our teacher training on our very last day um, he was like, do you have guys have any questions, like any concerns about, you know, about teaching? And and I said, you know, like I have this fear and a lot of us have shared the same feelings that when we go back, we may revert back to our older self. Because mm-hmm. here in this space, in this environment, in the ashram, we have found a part of ourselves that were that was always there. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because it's the ashram bubble, right? Yeah. They talk about that too. It's like like that vibrational frequency that you were talking about in Thailand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You build that. But when you come back, when you come back into your your former environment, Mm -hmm. you didn't leave a vibrational frequency of that same sort that the ashram carried. So now you're coming back and you are having to cultivate that on your own first before launching into fully teaching. Yeah. And that is something that I... I remember when I first came and everyone was like, oh, when do you teach your first class? And 
oh my God, teach us everything you learned at the ashram. And I was like, I honestly cannot wait to impart this knowledge and to guide students into themselves, into this journey within. Mm -hmm. But I need to create that space here for myself. So then I can always continuously raise my vibration and connect with this frequency that I found in the, in the, in the ashram and, and do it in my home, do it for myself, and then be able to you know, guide people properly through that. Yeah. Because if I can't do that for myself, who am I to go and teach? Because mm -hmm. like you're saying, it's, I'm, not, I'm not teaching yoga, or I'll speak for myself, but it aligns with what you were saying. I'm not teaching yoga to take something from it. Yeah. Through my yoga journey, I have discovered something. Mm. And I want to impart that discovery or at least guide people to their own inner discovery. You know, I want to be that teacher that does that. Yeah. I'm not here to, like, help you get into a headstand and, and like, you know, be the best-looking yogi or yogini. It's not my job, and, it's, and it shouldn't be anyone's job. Mm -hmm. Like, if that's your goal, there are people out there who will help you, but I don't. I know for from what I've learned that the true meaning of yoga is to journey within and find that light and love that we all hold within ourselves into our souls and and then bring that on the on the outside on the surface and then work with that energy all day every day. And that's a real challenge <laughs> in the world we live in. <laughs> yeah, it is. And what I like to do whenever I, you know, went to the ashram or went on a yoga journey to come back is feel that I'm sharing that resonance that I know it's temporary because I, I just spent you know months in this place living the lifestyle in that place and yeah. absorbing all the information and everything yeah. now when I get back it's like there's an offloading and that in that time there's there's opportunities and decisions to make right mm -hmm. and I think especially coming out of a teacher training where what made sense for me was just to get right into it. Mm. And and that just came from the progress or the kind of steps that I took before coming into the teacher training that I've already went to this other yoga school and spent two months there. I spent a couple of years already practicing. And so I built myself up to the point where the teacher training made sense for me to be like, okay, I'm going into teaching now. And yeah, <clears throat> And so, yeah, especially going to Thailand and back for the first time. Mm -hmm. That was the first time I ever left the continent, right? And mm -hmm. I just did it by myself. I just booked all my stuff and met my friend on the island. I had to, like, you know, figure it all out. But um, that time where you come back or you come out of a training like that and you have this wisdom and it's at the forefront of your mind and you have all this knowledge – that there's that moment of deciding like what is best for myself and mm -hmm. that's so beautiful about the yoga practice is that it gives you the opportunity to have that space for that realization and um though teaching is a whole other level of of learning mm -hmm. right and and that's where i think the kind of crucial step is of deciding not to take from yoga right because in in teaching is where all the monetary stuff comes that's where the business stuff comes right like that's mm -hmm. where the decision to actually have an exchange comes and 
the last two years or at least the last year really brought on my questioning of all that you know mm-hmm. and and really understanding what yoga is for me because having injuries and not being able to do yoga and then feeling guilty that I'm not doing yoga and that I should be doing more yoga and then mm. just this cycle of oh well I need to do yoga because I need to get to this kind of flexibility to these postures and then suddenly I'm getting injuries mm-hmm. you know because of how that reflects and <clears throat> it's really only been in the last few months where I'm really dedicating to healing my body that yoga has just been budding up just Mm -hmm. in my days I just decide it and I had this rigid kind of grip of I only need to do it in the morning I have to do it in the morning yeah that suddenly now I'm just finding that after work you know I have this 30 minute window where Mm -hmm. I can just stretch and do some yoga Mm. and seeing that new relationship develop has been so beautiful and a whole new world of viewing yoga has opened up right of just how i want to offer it and um what i look for when people want to learn from me right um so Mm. yeah it's been it's been a beautiful journey and it's with me for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. you know um that was a really challenging realization for me but then easy at the same time you know it's one that dawned on me um because of someone i met at a oh yeah this is another string of synchronicities (laughs) this is (laughs) so fun so in 2012 Mm -hmm. i also went to a festival out in bc (laughs) in like september which one um it's called one big tree okay it was just a one-off one um out by like cherryville and summerland and peachland Uh, that is a beautiful location and i met this woman who looked at me and said you have yoga that runs deep within you (laughs) and i was just like i just came back from a trip (laughs) okay how did you know (laughs) um little did i know she was a huge part of the like Tantra community in Copenhagen. So mm. four years later when I went, I saw her on the island and I was like, That's so what? Funny. Yeah. Oh my um, goodness. So that was a huge catalyst in me wanting to make a decision that really crystallized my commitment to it. That got me in a lot of trouble at first. And that was tattooing Shiva on my arm. <laughs> um, and I this is what really opened up cultural appropriation for me. Okay. Um, and I realized that doing something like this is to be taken seriously, personally, in a devoted way, right? And to mark on myself a reminder that the world of yoga is so vast that it encompasses my entire life. And it goes beyond that. And what I didn't realize is that when I started coloring Shiva blue was on the Guru Purnima Mm. and like the Shiva moon. And that was the sign for me that it was like, this is the right decision. And um, 
So when I talked to some friends, I had like a really specific conversation about why adding Ananda to my name is appropriation and, you know, having the tattoo. And it gave me an opportunity to just listen and mm-hmm. sit with someone who has a strong opinion and is correct in everything that she's saying about what I did, right? And what came out of it was the ability to tell my story of the experiences that I've had to see it as an initiation into the depths of yoga that I will need my entire life tend to, to go into, right? Mm-hmm. And that, um, you know, the desire for Ananda came out of a meditation of, um, and I know this sounds intense, but it's like, but it's Babaji, you know, from um, Yogananda's lineage, mm-hmm. like Yogananda and Sri Yukteswar, guided me and told me to add Ananda because it unveiled to me the, just the meaning of my name Zoran, right? Zoran is mm-hmm. dawn, it's sunrise in Serbian. And that Ananda adds um, and turns it into a kind of mantra where Zoran is actually masculine and feminine. So Zora is the feminine version of the name for sunrise. Oh, okay. And the adding the N is masculine. And so it, my name can be the rise of masculine and feminine or the sunrise of masculine and feminine. Mm-hmm. And then Ananda is just bliss. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And that was really powerful for me because it allowed me to look at my name in a whole new light. Because growing up, I got a lot of criticism for my name because I was the only Serbian person in my school um as a kid right and everyone that i was around was like a rob and a Derek and a mike and a chris you know it's like um typical yeah yeah, (laughs) typical you know and so i just always had this element of isolation from people immediately growing up right Mm. i'm sorry you had that that's something as a colored person i i definitely recognize yeah yeah so what it led to though was me realizing that i have the word ra in my name like egyptian sun god okay so that was the first key for me to be like oh my name is super fucking cool and then learning my last name that glamuch is an old city in now bosnia Mm. and that uh, my family my history of my dad's side of glamuchlias come from glamuch and that they left and that the Leah is like um, a suffix as um, someone who lived in Glamuch, right? So it's like oh, a, like an yeah. Antonian, right? And That's beautiful. Yeah, and so the Ananda edition was my first kind of initiation into this, like, yogihood. Yeah, it's I a self-initiation yeah. into the journey that you're, uh, you're now on. So mm-hmm. when I went to the 300-hour teacher training... Yeah. Uh, we got names, right? Have you done the 300 hour? No, this is at Akunda. Yes. So okay. they gave na- they gave names now at 200. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. sweet. So I did get a name. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so after you know three or four weeks of the training, you get your name ceremony, and Vishuji gives me a card with Rama and um, why am I forgetting her name? Um. But uh, anyways, it, r- it has the writing of the names of my name right there on the card, right? Mm-hmm. And I look and it says Devakaranand. 
Mm. And I'm like, did Vakar not? And I look underneath and it says Bliss of the Sun. And I look at Vishuji and I look at the card. And I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> I'm did like, you know? Did you do research? How yeah. did you know? <laughs> I look at him I'm like, did you know that my name means sunrise? And he's <laughs> like, ha, 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 no. <laughs> I'm like, of course you did it. And like Leela and um, Krishna uh, Mukti were just like laughing. They're just like, oh my goodness. And and it just gave me shit like uh, um, chills. You know, Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh my God, how does this guy know? Right? I've never told him that. I never told him the Ananda part and why I added it to my name and how it means sunrise. You know? Um, So I was just thinking about the other day. I was like, my name, my yogi name is Zornanda Devakaranand, which is. Bliss of the sun, bliss of the sun. <laughs> so you gotta like almost like shorten it. You gotta figure out a, like a nice little <laughs> compact. Yeah. Put them together. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it, yeah, it's interesting. Like I, I still feel it's intimidated by that name, Devakaranand. Um, and I know I'm gonna adopt it eventually. I use it as a mm. mantra. I when I do my. I was practice. just gonna say, I'm like, did he mention to do it as a mantra? No. To connect to it. No, he didn't. Yeah. So. Um, the way that we do any of the mantras, like Om Somaya Namaha, right? Like we mm-hmm. do with one bead, you say the full with a full breath. So the way he had um, guided us to connect with our names better, if some of us found it a little difficult to connect with, um, to say it fully on the mantra bead as you inhale and you, as you exhale, you say it in the one breath, <clears throat> elongate the whole thing, and then do that for 108 times to connect with it and do it as a daily practice. So. Mm-hmm you know that this is this is your name yeah it is your spiritual name and uh it's so funny um oh my god i have so many thoughts okay when i got my name i i cried like it was such an instant reaction it wasn't i i looked at it i read it and then there was just i felt i felt that same sensation of just like shivers and then there were just tears oh and everyone like the entire school was just like like hushed and they were just like waiting they're like what did she get what's her name why is she crying what is happening yeah and i can feel like leela behind me and and like all the teachers and they're all like waiting and um ila devi was kind of like i got really sick at the ashram too one night and i missed the kundalini class Mm -hmm. and uh i'm gonna like backtrack a little bit and I remember, like, in the middle middle of the class, like, everyone is doing all their bij mantras, and they're doing, like, really loud, like, vam, and, like, everyone is doing this. And, and I'm in this deep fever. Like, my body is, like, hot and cold. I am sweating profusely, and I'm like, I don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. I have been so safe. Like, I don't know what happened, but I got I got sick on the one morning, Kundalini, the first day. And I'm like, that's a, that's a weird, that's a weird sign. Okay, okay. And I just... I just hear them doing all these bij mantras and because they're on top, right? Like the ashram, the, st- the studios are on top and all the rooms are at the bottom. Yeah. Their vibrations, they're saying it so loud that it's like vibrating through and hitting me as I'm laying there in bed, like eyes wide open. And I'm like, I can do this. I can make it to class. <laughs> <laughs> I'll walk in, I'll stagger it and they'll let me in. It's okay. And I remember like, I'm sweating through my, like my clothes, the sheets. And I'm like, I'm sick. And I'm like, no, Sharina, you have to like, the way you're going to attend this class is by closing your eyes and going into meditation as they do their bij mantras. This is the way you're going to get this tr- vibration. Yeah. There's no yeah. other way for you. So I was like, okay. And so you can still be there and you can, can still participate, right? I am still somehow there. Yes. Yeah. I have no idea what they're doing, but I can <laughs> I can hear it all and I'm like, okay, I got this. I can yeah. downloading everything I can. 
and Ila Devi uh, came and checked up on me and she, I, I remember just like like just sobbing and I'm like I can't believe I missed a class mm. and she's like she's like checking my temperature and she's like I don't think you could have made it Shrina <laughs> like I think it's okay and I'm like but I didn't want to anyways and it was uh, so dramatic and she was like well there's another one coming up you'll be okay and of course, like by dinner time, starting to feel a little bit better. And Ila Devi has dropped off some medication. And um, I run into Vishwaji and he's like, you didn't come to class. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, did no one tell you I was really sick? And he's like, how sick? And I was like, I was really sick. And he was like, OK, but you can't miss the next one. I was like, I won't miss the next one. And he was like, <laughs> he's like, Shrina. And he just kind of gives me this look like he's like this parental figure. And he's just like what happened you're yeah. supposed to be in class like I, <laughs> yeah. I literally saw you the other day and i'm like i know i'm sorry um but when he gave me my name it was so beautiful um i read the card and it's like you know Srina patel on one side and i and there's like a picture of radha and krishna and they're intertwined and i turn it over and i gasp and my hand like flies up to my mouth and like and there's just instant I'm like shuddering and crying and I look at him and he's like just beaming like he's <laughs> he's like I have picked the right name <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, he's so excited. <laughs> yeah and then yeah. he's like like read it out loud and I'm like Krishna Abba oh yeah and I was like wow and it's, it's like the bliss and love and radiance of Krishna. And mm -hmm. my mission is to spread the consciousness of love and light. Yeah. And I was so blown away. And, I'd, and any, I know he kind of knew about my upbringing, like how I was very devoted to the Krishna lineage and whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, Krishna is actually not. But what he doesn't know, <laughs> and like I think he kind of knew through conversations, but um, and I think he does kind of know, actually. But my first connection was with Lord Shiva when I was very, very young. Like, I was probably seven or eight with my first trip to India ever as a little girl. And I was, my family, my mother's side is very devoted to Lord Shiva. Like, we do all the fasts, all the pujas. Like, we do all the samvar months and everything. So, yeah. And I was a little girl and I was doing this, like, I was doing this offering to Lord Shiva. And we have this, like, beautiful picture of Lord Shiva and Parvati and Ganesh, like, in our, in my mother's home back mm -hmm. in India in Bhattapur and I was doing the offerings and like you know doing my thing and I went to go touch the picture and I just felt this like current like go through my fingers like almost like someone like shocks you mm -hmm. and I felt that current and I like I, pull, I pulled my hand back and like the flower fell out of my hand and I remember just like looking at my hand and looking at the picture and I was so young and I was like, oh, no. I've never shared this story uh, out loud with anyone. Um, I was like, oh, no. Like, did I do something wrong? Like, was I punished? Like, what happened? Like, what did I do? And I, you know, like, as, as a young girl, like, you hear so much about different teachings and, like, and the different stories. And you're just, like, you're confused. So, anyways, I asked my grandma. My grandma's, like, she, like, literally just, like, lightly patted me on the cheek, her, like, playful slap. And she's like, silly girl, like that was Lord Shiva connecting with you. She's like, it's happened to other people in our family. Oh, and I was my like, goodness. And I didn't find that out until like 10 years later. Yeah. So I just, I was just like, I don't, I don't know what happened. I did something wrong. I'm not going to tell anyone about it. Like, so silly. 
Um, and then like years later, I hear that story and my grandma's like, yeah, it's, it's like, that's why our family is so devoted to Lord Shiva. Yeah. And I'm not surprised that this has like happened to you. Yeah. And like, and during that time when I, I thought that like, I was like, you know, I was a very, d- I was a very religious child because of my father. My father was a very religious man. And fast forward, I, I got really into Krishna consciousness and I devoted my life to that. Like I, like my teen years and everything, I became a, I became a Sunday school student and then got promoted to teacher. And then I was just imparting this knowledge of the Krishna teachings, but not in a way because I was a little bit of a renegade myself and I didn't really believe that there was, I I, I will never believe that there was one path for everyone, Mm -hmm. for anyone. Sorry, I should say, um, I believe the path that will help you open up your heart and feel compassion towards humanity is the path for you. Yeah. Whatever that looks like. And if that means a multitude of paths and you're picking from here and there, but you're respecting all of it, Mm. you're not, you know, using it for your own means to like get to fame and fortune or whatever it is that you're doing. That is not the way of the path. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that's a tangent, but, I remember being so committed and I would teach my students this too. It wasn't part of the curriculum. Yeah. But I was like, ah, like yeah, here's something you tidbits. need to know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, like hmm. here's what I think of this and here's yeah. what you need to learn. I would just impart whatever <laughs> I wanted to impart. Yeah. And uh, I was, we would produce, I would direct and produce and write plays. Oh, wow. So the kids would perform the, the curriculum that we had learned over the year every year on Jamnashtami. And it was like this thing that our community looked forward to. Yeah. It was a, I'm not even kidding you. It was such a grand production. (laughs) Like we had costume changes. My brother would do all my voiceover edits. There was like, I would mix my music. Wow. Um, The parents would help build props. So then the stage was like filled with props. And I'm, I'm like, we have side wings that we'd set up. Like it was this whole thing. And the show would be a full hour. Yeah. And these kids wow. would, we would rehearse. We would like, I would get them into character. I was, I was into drama at that time too. So we would like fill their cup. They would get into character. Someone would be Yashoda. Someone would be Krishna. Someone would be the Gopi. Like we would like have all these like stories and we'd play them out. Mm-hmm. And then behind every story at the very end, we would, we would share the knowledge that is imparted through these leelas. Yeah. Right? Like Krishna is here, but he's imparting this greater divine knowledge. And yeah, the story is fun and he's like, you know, teasing and he's having all this fun, but there's a greater, there's a deeper truth to this. And so we would kind of get down to that. And that's, nice. that's just what I was imparting. So when, when Vishwaji kind of picked that name, I kind of looked at him and I was like, oh my God. I was like, why did you pick Krishna, though, and nothing associated with Shiva? And he said, um, because your first real step onto this path was through your association with Krishna. Like, as soon as you stepped into that, everything else started happening. Like, I showed up at Prana Yoga. Yeah. And although, like, yoga is something that I was learning from my dad, um, like, all the foundations and the philosophy of yoga was taught by my father when i came to prana i was like oh asans and i watched my dad do all this stuff but i I didn't he didn't know how to impart that part he didn't know how to impart the practice of the asans but he could teach me the philosophy which i got from you know going to the temple being raised in that environment and then being raised by my father in that our lineage of like passing down hinduism and all the stories the mantras like all this beautiful practice 
And then fast forward, I get to the ashram and I'm like, oh, I already know all this. I just, I'm just here for the asana stuff. But Vishwaji just did such a beautiful job of like pulling it all together. And he's like, Srina, this goes with this. And when you do this and this, it unblocks this. Yeah, and, exactly. And from there, like my mind was just like, like my experience at the ashram was every day there was like a new chakra just being unblocked mm-hmm. every day. So then when I came back here, I was like, I am so open that I, I have to find a way to impart this correctly. Yeah. With longevity, right? Because yes, that's without that's uh, without any kind of commercialization to it. Because yeah. when I came here and I, I observed yoga and I'm not saying everyone is doing this by absolutely not. I'm not saying this. Yeah. But the way I was seeing it commercialized, like, you know, I'm going to throw it out there and just say like beer yoga and like goat yoga and wine night yoga. And I was like. Yeah. And it's so silly, right? Like that's a draw. It's like, oh, that's silly. Beer yoga. Yeah. Okay. I'll drink some beers and then laugh about what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. I'll go. Yeah. 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 And it was just, it was one of those I things. guarantee there are oh. people who are like, yeah, beer yoga. And they take it serious, you know, and they're like, I'm going to drink some beers and I'm going to rock this yoga class. And um, I think with the exception of goat yoga, that's just super silly. You can't do anything. When I mean, unless you own you. a farm and you're just doing yoga out there with your own goats. Like I do yoga with my cat, but I'm not like. Yeah. Trina and Bella like yeah. yoga time like it's like she shows up whenever <laughs> she wants like she'll just walk across the room you know yeah. or, or like tear up my yoga mat but it's not like I'm commer- I'm not advertising it this way <laughs> Bella yeah. might come and sit on your lap during Shavasana like you know like I don't it's just when I watch these things happen it's like a deep hurt it's a deep pain to mm. like for for someone who comes from this lineage like who comes from this culture where it's like it's you're just it's very innate and I'm not saying that all South Asian people are are given this or like I was very fortunate that my father is well versed in this and yeah. that's where I am today. And that's like what I said at the beginning, right? Like your clear dharma of mm-hmm. through your upbringing. Mm-hmm. So. But it makes it difficult when you're like hearing that or seeing it and you're like, how do I exist here in this space? And then you just come to a place where you are at peace with yourself and you go. I am just here to do what I am going to do. Yeah. And that's the thing that Vishuji says too, right? He says mm-hmm. all yoga is good yoga. And so mm. um, w- s- a profound realization that I had with understanding what yoga is. And, you know, we had a chat a couple days ago um, and I brought up this, that uh, idea that it's consciousness itself, right? It's this unifying consciousness and that, all yoga is encompassed within what yoga is in totality right Mm -hmm. so what's kind of sprouts out of it is just its intelligence inherently from something so basic and beginner to something so advanced and beyond right where um you know you have himalayan monks that are dedicated living in a cave living Mm. in the wilderness somewhere and really focusing in on the um, gravity of yoga as awareness, right? Where then you have on the other side of the spectrum in the West where it's like, yeah, beer yoga and goat yoga. Yeah, let's get as many people to yoga as possible. So I think in the grand scheme of, of the consciousness of yoga, I think you have these pillars within it that act as guiding forces to how yoga gets into the world. And so as silly and ridiculous as it is, 
um, it could help someone who goes to beer yoga and be like, I don't think I should be drinking beer anymore. I should be going to yoga more. And that actually helps them steer into yoga, right? And so this realization was that um, it's important to realize what pillar you're on as a practitioner. Am mm. I going to be in the pillar that just gives out yoga to the general public that is just silly and whatever, just to like kind of unconsciously be in the whim of that whirlwind? Or do I ground myself into a pillar into pillars that I feel are more reflective to the wholesomeness of um, the synchronicities that I've went through, right? So with Vishaji and his lineage and seeing that I'm actually placed on this kind of totem of yoga in a different place as to what I want to transmit, right? So if it's through a podcast and through yoga classes and through fundraisers, um, I know that if I were to talk to Vishuji and be like, hey, I'm doing these things, um, what do you think? He's going to be more inclined to show me support than just kind of laugh at it, right? If I were to be like, hey, Vishuji, I'm going to go do goat yoga. What do you think of it? He'll be like, be ha, like ha, the ha, goats ha. are not necessary. Yeah, he's like, ha, 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 <laughs> but okay, hurry on. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but if I'm like, hey, Vishuji, I have this fundraiser that I'm going to do yeah. and I want to team up with people and I want to help support these organizations, mm -hmm. most likely he's going to be like, great, yes, that's good, right? Mm -hmm. and, and the energy exchange is going to be completely different, right? And that's um, where I feel why also Vishuji is more of my teacher than what the Swami was, right? Because at no point would I would ever be able to contact him. He was like contactless, right? Mm. And so knowing that I can reach out to Vishuji whenever and be like, hey, this is my idea, this is what I'm doing, what do you think, right? Mm -hmm. um, I actually, um, you know, told stories about my um, travels to India in my book, right? And I actually quote Vishji at the end because he gave out cards with the Akanda mantra mm -hmm. and he had a translation of it. So at the very end, I put in the Akanda mantra and like quote his translation of it just to like end the book, you know? Mm. And so... I think that's what yoga can unveil to the practitioner is eventually you go deep enough into it and you commit yourself and you get initiations, right? Because I think that's what it is for us, right? Getting the name, doing the teacher trainings, um, seeing this master, we're get going through these initiations. And um, I think for myself, I just wholeheartedly dove into it and recognized when I came back to my life that... I have a whole other world to attend to. It's like, oh, um, I also have my dharma with my family and like family business and working with my brother and I have um, now a fiance and I have all these worldly things that are happening and it's just like this light is in there that's like yoga and mm -hmm. it's always on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's no reason to say that it has to be Dumb, I dumb, dumb down or anything. Um, okay, sorry, I have to go back to the other thing. I think yeah. it's a responsibility for teachers to uphold what they were taught. Yeah. I, th I feel like I know what you're saying when, you know, somebody may go to a goat yoga class, which is so harmless, right? Yeah. Like, you have it's other animals. It's like another soul in the room. It's not a big deal. Yeah. But when you're adding substances... Yeah. that are clouding your inability to go inwards 
there's a there's a there's a natural issue here, right? Because it's not it's not the path of yoga at all. But now you're using yoga as a or you're using the substance as a catalyst to make money. Yeah. And then you're adding yoga to it because you know it's like the new thing. Yeah. And I think that is dangerous. And I I do have to say something here because as there is a whole collective of yoga teachers, um, like South Asian yoga teachers who are who are, are really discussing this right now that it's if it's coming from India and you're using it for the sole purpose of making money and you're doing it in this way it is appropriation yeah exactly it is absolutely pr- appropriation mm. you know because now you, you're mixing two things that are that do not work well together that that do not belong together yeah. And that is very dangerous when you're teaching, when you're opening people up in yoga. It's a very vulnerable journey. Oh, yeah. And you're I've doing this when times. they're, yes, yes, <laughs> you open things up and you're like, I'm discovering things about me. Yeah. But when you're doing that and, you know, they have substances involved and whatnot, like now you're in a, you're in a position of abusing that vulnerability. Yeah. And that is, that is some serious business. That is no different to me than a Swami. Yeah. In Thailand. <laughs> yeah. Like I ha- and I have to say this very bluntly because because I don't want to see the crumble the uh, the structure of yoga crumble in any shape or form in the west. Because yeah. I think that there is a huge drive right now. I think there's a lot of good yoga teachers doing a lot of great things and they're helping their communities, they're helping their inner circles. They're discussing their ancestral healing like there's so much work to be done that this this thing about commercializing yoga is is just like a like a a gross stunt Mm -hmm. you know like it's it it shouldn't be there it shouldn't be allowed and we shouldn't as yoga teachers i know that we're always supposed to be in this like oh like keeping peace but that's not what this is about like you're a spiritual warrior in a sense, right? You have yeah. to say something when you see something that is going against your own teachings. Like when we were in the ashram, like there was always this conversation of like, you are upholding the yamas, the niyamas. This is why you learn them. That you learn them for a reason. They're like the foundation of yeah. your own practice. So when you instill them to your, your students, you're going, here are the eight limbs of yoga. Here is what we're aware of. Here's what we're not aware of. Here's how ego plays in. Like, and this is the we're gonna work through a sequence of asanas to help you kind of unblock that so you can see more clear into yourself. And when you're able to guide someone like that, you're also helping them to guide their community and mm-hmm. their circles, which is what we do for ourselves, right? Like, I don't start with everybody out there. I start with my family. I actually start teaching my mom, my dad, my sister-in-law, my brother first. And then I actually went out into my friend circles and then they brought their friends and I started with my community. Yeah, that's amazing. And then I started teaching like workshops and my friends supported me, my family supported me and said, this is beautiful. Like I have found, I have discovered this about myself because of what you've taught me. And I felt like, good, if I can help my people, now I can be more, I feel, you know, now I, I feel like I am ready to step out and help more people but i have to start with me first mm-hmm. right it's, it's this whole activism journey that we're all on and as yoga teachers as i call us spiritual warriors to be very honest because ego is a is a big thing we all need to overcome yeah and in in order to really truly heal the world and this is my perspective of course 
in order to really truly heal the world we need to heal ourselves yeah and that and help heal each other and that's unique to each person right and i and Mm -hmm. i think that ultimately for me is what yoga has helped me understand is that it can provide the opportunity for healing through your own intuition and guidance and intelligence that not many other systems allow for, right? Because of dogma or institutionalization or whatever manipulation, where when you have a set of postures, a set of breathing techniques, um, you know, mantras and yantras, you have this toolkit of how to assess your body and your mind and your emotions that you can just use on your own. And when you apply those over time and suddenly you see this transformation happening, you see that there's a responsibility with Mm -hmm. utilizing that. And it's so interesting how it's almost natural that the guidance is, okay, show other people this because of the potency of the realizations within it. Mm -hmm. And that's why I really gravitated to Akunda and wanted to uphold it wholeheartedly where instead of going and doing teacher trainings and being like okay now i'm going to create my own yoga school i'm going to create my own yoga practice and i'm going to market that as my own thing but i just took all the teachings from these other schools that are so much more authentic and so much more um real right so and and that probably is my own bias right that is just like akunda is the most legit yoga school Mm -hmm. in the world like i just think that like because of the experiences you've had yeah Yeah. exactly and so the best thing that i can do is really stick to it as a practice and teaching it and the thing that i do create my own is from my own realizations that has nothing to do with um cherry picking from the school itself right Mm -hmm. and that's what a lot of people do they'll like learn the manuals right and how they structured it and they go they go to the ya and they're like oh i'm going to create my own teacher training manual and then they just kind of copy and paste right Mm -hmm. and i just learned that right from the get-go i was like i'm not going to do that if i'm going to teach a teacher training i'll just teach a conda because it's already there and i don't have to spend the time trying to create my own so if and I'm it's gonna, also like appropriation in yeah. a form. Yeah. So I was like, if I am going to create my own, what is it, what is the content, right? And that's where future life regression came out of because mm. then I am formulating a meditation that is unique in and of itself and um, is kind of my own creation, right? Um, but the tricky thing is, meditation is meditation right it's all the same (laughs) but um i day by day just look at doing the best that i can to represent yoga as wholeheartedly as possible and so that the new way that i'm getting into it and the this new responsibility is now i only have a handful of students Mm. that have come into my life synchronistically and I'm teaching them things, uh, you know, for free for the most part. Uh, My violin teacher is doing a trade with me where I teach her yoga and she teaches me violin. Um, A childhood friend came back into my life and I've 
said to him, the condition of our friendship now is that you're doing yoga and you're meditating and you're wanting to go on this, you know, trajectory of changing your life. And it totally changed our friendship to the better, Mm -hmm. you know. And then other friends have just reached out to me and they're like, hey, can do you have like a practice that I can do or something? And I, you know, whipped up a video and send it to them. So I'm just allowing it to come into my life like that Mm -hmm. where I'm aware that studios are opening up. And I've just been thinking to myself, how can I approach the situation now in a different light where maybe I can do things that are more meaningful and impactful than just, okay, I'm going to take this class Mm -hmm. and I'm going to teach it to, you know, 15 strangers and, you know, I'm probably going to get paid, um, you know, 45, 50 bucks for it and dope, then I'm going to move on with my life, right? But now I'm just seeing there's an opportunity here and why not go with this new wave of yoga that's coming right that i think is is evident but uh i think we were talking about it a little bit in Mm -hmm. our conversation a couple days ago um and that really just came out of research that i did right like i um though vishuji is my teacher i found just naturally because of the language barrier that my brain wants him to explain everything to me right Mm -hmm. but that's not the reality the reality is is through his presence and that the more powerful transmission is just understanding that he is a presence and i learned that from him coming to my dreams and having that vision like i've had numerous dreams with vishaji where he shows me and tells me things that are um super deep right um have you asked him about him is he just like no (laughs) so um this can actually continue the story of the teacher training so a year later Uh he comes to prana right he does his workshop i do a workshop with him and at the end of the workshop i was like well i guess i'll see you in another year and he looked at me he's like or in your dreams (laughs) (laughs) i was just like oh my god (laughs) and just continue to have dreams with him like it just just happens you know (laughs) (laughs) oh just so hilarious oh my Um, god that's so funny so um (laughs) yeah so i just got i just kind of lost track of my thoughts there laughing um so your new way of discovering it is like doing oh yeah so what also came into my life was yogananda (laughs) and yogananda his lineage of kriya yoga Mm -hmm. um and i just went deep into that so i have all their books and have studied their works the only one that i haven't studied is lahiri mahasaya so essentially in the 1800s in um when would this have been think this is northern um india but um essentially you have yogananda and his guru um sri yukteswar yeah and then his guru lahiri masaya and then their like padam guru um babaji right Mm -hmm. who is this like infamous enlightened yogi that goes all over india and there's stories of him in like every sect right and I went really deep into that and I see them as my teachers too. So when I do my practice, I have like this council of yogis who to me are legit 
um, enlightened beings that existed in our time and they had a knowledge and they had an understanding and they actually created the first wave of yoga, right? Mm -hmm. It all came from Babaji of telling Lahiri Masaya, who then, um, you know, through Sri Yukteswar told um, Yogananda to go to the West, right? And then he had this whole support. And <clears throat> so when I went, when I look into the history of yoga and I look at these events, I just put them together in my own mind and I make these kind of conclusions. Well, you know, if they were the first ones, right? Then the second wave was Krishna, um, Krishna Macharya and BKS Iyengar mm -hmm. and um, Patabi Joyce and Bikram, right? That was the material yoga wave. And I, and I think this totally can be a conspiracy theory. I don't even know. This is just the way that my mind thinks is that when Yogananda came, he set a precedence for the kind of influence that a like a philosophical Indian mystic can have on the Western mind, right? Because when he came, he was like fluent in English, which mm, was rare. Yeah. Well, not only that, he in his in the autobiography of a, of a yogi, he states that when he got into the boat to get to America, he mm -hmm. didn't know English, and then. His guru just came in, was like, you know it. And then he could just speak fluent English. And then he was doing discourses to the shipmates. And he was telling them about Kriya Yoga and about um, Jesus and how it relates to the, the Vedas. And that you can actually find um, lines in the Vedas that match the New Testament. Mm. And it's um, Shirtshwar actually wrote it in his book, In the Holy Science. He actually has comparisons of the Vedas and the New Testament. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing book. It's uh, super powerful. But um, Yogananda set a precedence because he came to America and over 15 years of being there, he initiated 100,000 people where um, Swami Vivekananda, he was the predecessor, right? So he came before and, you know, he did a lecture to, I think, 6,000 people. He was only in America for uh, like a couple of years and left where mm -hmm. Yogananda came and was just this huge influence, right? And so he, Yogananda was in contact with a lot of super rich businessmen in America and like scholars because he came suddenly he's just fluent he's just super charismatic and dynamic mm -hmm. man and um and he's powerful right that he was given um lectures all over america of thousands and thousands of people in universities mm -hmm. which then is what allowed him to actually start to initiate people into kriya yoga and to create the self-realization fellowship and what i think happened is that the American government knew this, right? Because they're like, who is this dude? Um, and so when he, when he passed away, when the next wave of yoga came, I think there was this understanding that it, it could be capitalized on. And I think the idea of capitalizing yoga didn't actually come from like Krishna Macharya and BKS Angar and them. I think they wholeheartedly actually were like, we need to continue spreading yoga because that's our dharma and that's the that's what's pulsating out of India right now, right? Mm -hmm. um, that when they came, the idea for commercializing and how to spread it 
came from people who were like business magnets, right? And they were like, yeah, and um, <clears throat> developed the whole world of, of yoga in that way of commercializing mm. it. But I think it was very necessary because that's what actually just like boom spread like millions of people within a couple decades, right? Where now mm -hmm. we're leading up to like hundreds of millions of people around the world that are doing yoga. Um, it's also and then, the state of the world when they yeah. first came to the West. It was like people were hungry to feel love. Yeah. Like it's also part of that is like just the environment that you're dropping into. Like if, a, if an environment is starved for compassion and love and joy and that's what the people need. Like, I mean, even coming out of COVID, it's like not just coming out of COVID. It's like Black Lives Matter has happened. Mm -hmm. Like we've seen Asian hate. We've like it's just like now we're seeing Muslim hate, you know, like it's there's so much um, hatred towards Muslims, I should say. Um, there's just so much hatred and like ignorance. And I, I feel like when there's a dip like that, there's like an opposite reaction of like, no, yeah. we need more compassion, like, especially people who are holders, like who are light healers, mm -hmm. um, spiritual warriors, who are teachers, who are guiders with that hold this, this knowledge of how to bring people back into a community mm -hmm. and that community can now become a force of good whatever you want to call that good. So we're having this opposite reaction happening, like that duality. It's, yeah. It's, it's a natural phenomenon that happens in our, just in, in like the human evolution. It is a constant. It's, a, it's a, another pattern that repeats itself. Yeah. So I feel like when these guys are dropping down, like, I mean, America's probably like, who are these colored dudes just like running around, like spreading all this love, you know, like, of course. And then when they leave and it's like, oh, the people are now feeling like we need more of that. That was really good. Like I got my endorphins rushing. Like, like yeah. I am loving again. I am mm -hmm. feeling that love, which is what I need. And so then you do have this like boom and then yoga explodes in the West. Yeah. And I think the commercialization happens because everyone wants to be like on this train now. Like, I can't say, like, I know this is your opinion, and, uh, you know, my opinion is that I don't know what they came to do. Like, yeah. I know that they came here to spread the knowledge of yoga. Yeah. That is obvious. Well, that's the thing. It's um, you're, mi you're mixing with business people, scholar people. Like, I, I feel like that's all – it doesn't matter what your title is. I feel mm -hmm. like everyone is starved for love. At that time, in, in the climate of the world was filled with ignorance and hatred. Yeah. There's so much ego at the front. Like we were fighting wars. Mm -hmm. Our economy was dying. Like people are struggling. Mm -hmm. Your basic needs are not met. So when you have a little bit of love and compassion, like you look at, you know, poor people in India and it's like they have very little and they're still smiling and happy. And not to say that that is not that is OK or something. It is not. Yeah. But sometimes when you see people who are very little, they're they're content i don't want to say they're happy because that uh, i am in no place to say that that is probably inappropriate to say yeah we should probably just take this whole part out but, <laughs> <laughs> but there's like something about that right like people are in need of that compassion we've always needed it yeah and i think yoga filled that that void yeah and the unfortunate thing is like i i, I think except for iangar like patabi joyce and bikram um were abusive right mm. and it's coming out more and more of the way that they um treated women right and 
that is something that I faced when I made my decision between the Swami in, in Thailand and Vishwaji was that the Swami was doing that, you know, like he was taking advantage of women. He didn't even have a spiritual practice anymore. He didn't have a meditation. He was just like he needed to have um, like three women a day, right, and different ones all the time. And it's just so disgusting. Yeah. Right. And and so it made it really easy to look at Vishwaji and be like, he's so traditional and he's got two kids, you know, and so he understands the importance of family and he is so wholeheartedly authentic that um when I when I look into the past and I look at these ways of yoga and I look at the influence and I see then what can be expected of this next wave is that rather than idealizing these yogis because they're doing these fantastic moves. <laughs> but you don't really right? know them. Yeah. yeah. And you don't really know exactly. them. Right. So they're so incredibly like gifted in that because they're so flexible and they're mm -hmm. so strong and um, they're spouting this knowledge that's, you know, seemingly so deep. That then now um, you have someone like Vishuji who has recognized all that because I've talked to him about this stuff, too. And he studied all of that stuff, too. Mm -hmm. He studied all the yoga that came to America and he did it purposely because he knows how he has to do it differently. Mm -hmm. Right. And why it was important to, um, you know, have the family that he has and to come to Canada and to make this bridge. Cause that's what he said is like, he made a bridge between Canada and in India. India. Mm -hmm. Um, and now he has tens of thousands of Akanda yoga teachers, right? And I guarantee if we actually did a survey and we got the emails of every single one and we asked like, hey, can you do this little survey of how Vishuji has treated you? Every single one of them in the end are going to say, yeah, he was really good. I don't doubt that there are people who have qualms with him because I know personally one who is in my teacher training that just hates Vishuji now oh. <laughs> and it's so sad to see because I was like oh man like you're such a great guy right like mm. we did um uh practicum tests together and stuff mm. you know and um but just how his life turned out and the decisions that he made um were are just seemingly unfavorable and so he's been casting that on Vishuji like it, mm. he like Vishuji took it away from him right um, and At so the end of the day, they're all just relationships. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But my in my mind, I just think I know that there's a majority of people who had beautiful experiences and can rightfully say that they had a transformational experience and that their life changed. And they don't feel like they're in a cult. You know, they don't feel like they're following some guy yeah. because they have to, right? Yeah. Or that they he put some trance on them and they are selling everything. That was the first thing he ever says. He's like, go back home. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah don't, I, yeah. I'm like, I don't have followers. <laughs> He's like, I have friends. I'm too busy, yeah. you know? And that is so inspiring. And so I, I look at that then, well, if I want to have more recognition in this world of what I do, that's what I want to emulate, right? Yeah, because he's, he's actually walking his path. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and I can't speak. I mean, I, I don't know Vishwaji so personally well that I can speak for him and I like I know him or something. But yeah, I can also look at him and say, this is a man who has followed his path. 
he that is simply who he is he is mm-hmm. he is a man he is a simple man who has followed his path and he keeps joy and bliss in his heart mm-hmm. and he shares that with everyone and i and i think that is just beautiful he's just a person being yeah he doesn't try to make himself like i am this thing and i will now travel and you know like I don't know, on, on more motorcycle or horseback or whatever and spread this gospel. <laughs> like he's like, I am living my life. Like I'm yeah. raising kids. I am running this school. I'm running this nonprofit organization, Helping Hands for India. Like yeah. I'm giving back to the larger community. He's he is just being. Yeah. And I think that is the one that is the one piece that like that I mean he said over and over, but that's the one thing that I definitely took back. And I remind my, I wake up and I remind myself every day. I'm like, Srinath, today you are just going to be. Yeah. And you are wow. going to be fully and fully in your light and your love. And, and you're going to be that for you first. And it will naturally radiate out. Mm-hmm. Um, my second name, Abba, Krishna Abba. Abba just means like brilliance and splendor and like luminous light. Wow. And. And I, and I remember just asking Vishwaji, I'm like, well, so like, you know, it was a big question. I was like, so what do we do now that we leave the ashram? Like, what is the grand mission? Mm. And he just laughed. And like, he knew I was kind of poking fun. Like, he, yeah. he could tell from my tone. He was like, oh, Shrina's <laughs> being a little shit starter. Like, this is who she is. She's a little Krishna, right? So, and he kind of looked at me. He's like, just go teach. Go teach yoga and go live <laughs> yeah. your life. And, be, and he said to me, he's like, and be happy. Yeah. Th- that was his big message to me was like, just be happy. Yeah, because it'll all unfold, right? It that's, will that's all why unfold. he says, like, things are happening. Yeah. Right? Like, things are happening, and you just go with it, right? And that's that's so humbling about mm-hmm. um, the process and, and the commitment to it. And that's what I remind myself um, as well is that, you know, when I look at my tattoo and I look at Shiva – and I s- say to myself, like, yeah, like, this is for the rest of my life, and I'm totally okay with that. And uh, I, I don't have to worry about the advancement of the progress, you know? Like, I don't have to worry that, like, oh, I, I need to keep going to India. I need to keep going and doing these things. Mm. It's just like, it, it, you know, it'll just happen, and it'll happen when it happens. And mm. that is what gives it all time to breathe, you know? And that was a challenging lesson for me because I came out of it like a bull out of the gates. You know, I was just like, I'm teaching yoga. I already know the studio and I'm like in it and I'm teaching yeah. and, I, and I just, you know, and I went right into it and um, taught consistently for eight years. Um, let me see. Yeah. Yeah. Until um, until the pandemic. And then that changed everything. And mm. I was like, you know, what? I just have injuries and I don't feel good about teaching right now and i just think i need to recalibrate yeah. i need to rethink what i'm doing in you've this been doing world. so much of this yeah and then yeah Giving i just depleted out. and yeah. <clears throat> so it's I, I think for me it's really important that um I just follow this new trajectory, you know, and 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 see who comes into my life, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, 
I don't want to go too much into it because it's still very fresh, but the like the little fundraiser that we were talking about and, and where it's going to go. Yeah. And that, I feel, is like my next emergence. Yeah. We can plant the seed right here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, and then and see where it goes from there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ultimately for me, what I think is missing in the world, I know there's the Yoga Association, right? And, it, and it's this um, place where you can... Af- uh officiate your yoga practice right essentially you can make teacher trainings and workshops and stuff you can be registered with them but i just don't think there's a yoga council you know like there isn't this group of individuals and the hard thing about that is that because it's so asana based right now and it's so geared into the physical that it's like who is the council going to be of just people who can really who can be the most flexible, right? Like, like Instagram yeah. yogis who, you, and this yeah, is the influencers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's like, but when I think of it, it's like, no, it would be someone like Vishuji. It would be someone like Sadhguru. It'd be someone like Muji. It, it would be these people that are already in the world that are actually great advocates and influencers for yoga itself. Like, mm. um, there's this fellow named, um, Yogi Raj Sadhguru Nat. Sit or not, and uh, he's just brilliant man. He wrote a really amazing book. Let me show you this book. Changed my life. Okay, let me see this book. (laughs) Instead of so, here's the funny thing. I found this book in the ashram. Okay, out of all the books, I see this book, and I'm like, no way, this is in the ashram. Okay, so when I'm doing the three, why no way? Um, because. Of its direct uh, lineage to Yogananda, and so he like so he's a Kriya yogi, and he's like part of the not lineage, and okay. um, so he's like super about. into Babaji, and so this is like the history of Babaji mm. in this book. And the funny thing is that when I was doing the teacher training, I kind of stopped studying the material, and I was only <laughs> reading that book. You're like, I've decided to go my own path. <laughs> and I, I read that book in like three weeks and people wow. got so mad because they were like, you're not studying. We have things to study for. And I'm like, I'm actually getting so many downloads from this book and I'm learning so much about yoga that as soon as I step into the class, I just absorb it. So I just, I was a sponge and I just mm. could absorb everything that they're saying. And I didn't really have to like look at anything and I would just go in. I just know things. Right. And people were like, how the hell are you doing it? I was like, well, I think it's this freaking book. So the lightning standing still by Baba G. Yeah. So it's by, um, this man here. Where's the camera? It's like super like jovial. Yeah. I want his photographer. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, so yeah. So there's fellows like this Mm -hmm. that are from India who are influencing the West, right? Because he um, uh, is also like Sadhguru in a sense where he has, you know, Western followers and also like um, his connection to um, his like Indian students. And I think that is what the fourth wave is leading into is that it's going to actually develop a yoga council where there are people that are going to step up who are clearly enlightened beings in how they represent yoga right because that's how i see vishaji right like he won't say oh yeah i'm a enlightened being like check me out like i can levitate right mm-hmm. it's just that the people who are are in his presence th- they get it 
right? They're just like, oh, yeah, you definitely are, right? And it's in the sense of because of their depth of practice that they maintain and they've maintained all their life that it's just created this powerhouse of just exchange, right? That in their discourse of what they're teaching, embedded in it so deeply and clearly is that presence. And it's so palpable, right? Where when you're just a normal person, you don't really have control over putting your presence into things like that because there's just so much confusion and manipulation and we just don't know ourselves that we don't know how to channel it that way. But then there are these people that really know how to do it and they have been doing it. And I think the key is that they've been doing it their whole life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's what inspires me that maybe I don't reach that in this life. I don't know. Right. But I can have the awareness that there's a way to put presence into things that is connected to divinity right it's directly divine presence and there's no ownership of it it's not like i right now am doing it and i take ownership of it it's that the practice that's so aligned with it helps it come through when it needs to come through and Mm -hmm. for these beings because they've been doing it all their lives um it's just naturally coming through all the time now it's like divinity itself has to build a trust it's like okay are you going to be a vessel for me Mm -hmm. because if the ego comes in more than you are listening to the divine that comes through your intuition then it's going to be on and off right yeah and the way i look at this is one that there's always going to be a wave of of influencers i'm just going to call them that but like you know enlightened beings is what we can say as well like there will always be people um who will guide guide the society or the world the global village in a sense Mm -hmm. and we're always going to find those waves happening over and over especially when like like i was saying before when we dip and then we like pick back up again that pickup is going to be highlighted by these guides um i don't i don't see them the way you i think you see them yeah i don't like i don't i'm not saying that they're not enlightened beings Mm -hmm. i'm saying that i don't believe that anyone can be truly enlightened in the world in the yug that we're living in yeah. currently. I don't. But what I do see is there are people who are very good. And by very good, I mean they have practiced and they have put into practice so well and religiously how to condition, how to, how to move the ego out of the way. Mm-hmm. So that, like you're saying, and I agree with you, that divinity can now become the true driver. Yeah. And I I remember when we were studying um, in Krishna consciousness, like there's this, I don't, you've probably seen this, the picture of Krishna driving the chariot and Arjun's in the back and he's got the five horses. Yeah. There's um, at the um, Paramount Nikitan, there's the huge statue yeah. of it, like right at the gates right down the into gates. the Ganga. Yeah. yeah. Like so that's, so in Krishna good. consciousness, uh, this is like a Sunday school teacher moment for me. Yeah. So when, yeah, I would teach the kids, you know, like Krishna is acting like the driver. Krishna is the driver and the five horses represent your five senses. Oh, yeah. Okay. So then yeah, that makes sense. So then, the you know, the consciousness is Arjun sitting there and he's he's ready to take action. But if the mind is not focusing the five senses, there will be like wild horses. Like you're going to be going everywhere. You're not going to have control. And so when you're not in control of your five senses, 
it's e- easy for your ego to get in the way. It's like, oh, I want this thing. Oh, I'm not good enough. Like, oh, that person looks like this. Oh, I should look like this. Like, you know, like, oh, I should be eating that food. Oh, I should be driving this car. I should be living in this house. And nothing is good enough. Mm-hmm. And that is not, that is not, that is not a good vessel for any kind of divine knowledge to flow through you because you've got all your guards up. I mean, you're distracted is what yeah. I should say, right? Because your ego is being the driver. Your Krishna is not the driver. Your ego is the driver. Yeah. Krishna is like the divine knowledge that is guiding yeah. you. So it's like that flip of so the, how we see these enlightened beings is, um, sorry, these guides is they are people who have so like just practiced their whole life and immerse themselves into this practice, into all the different practices, mm-hmm. yoga, meditation, pranayama, like you name it. And it's, these are all different practices on how we can move the ego out of the way so we can flow with like the righteousness of love and light in our heart. Mm. And that's why I look at Vishwaji for guidance. Yeah. Because I, I can see that he is, he's not perfect. None of these people are perfect. They're just people. Yeah. But they are people who have dedicated their life to this practice. And so if I'm looking for that kind of guidance, I know who I can turn to and go, hmm. Like there is, they have studied all this ancient knowledge. It is within them. And there's always like a, as a woman, I'm always very careful about who I am downloading this from because you don't know who is willing to, who is able to take care, um, truly take care of you, not to take care of you. There's probably a better way of saying it. Who can guide you without any ulterior motive. Yeah, exactly. And that is something I don't feel like um, men come upon very, very much in, yeah. in like history of like, because yeah. there's it, like, there's just so much. I think when women come across this, there's a block, there's a barrier and there has to be there. It's a protection. And I feel like there, are, we are always seeing men be guiders, but we're never mm. speaking about the women yeah. who are, who are also very much part of this enlightenment wave that is coming now yeah like ananda maima was like huge for but that how too. often do we hear her of her name yeah not often right and yeah. there's so many women who are, are doing so many different types of work um oh, i can't even name any right now which is very unfortunate and that that yeah. says that speaks a lot right there yeah there's but like um Gurmuk, there's like uh from uh Vishiji is really good friends with her she's like a kundalini mm-hmm. kind of like master from um i know who you speak of yes yeah Yogi Bhajan Sujinj. There's also a woman in India, in South India, who owns a farm and she teaches people. Uh, Chris actually told me about her. Um, who actually teaches people how to like live off of the land and farm. And every hour you put in there is all volunteer. And yeah, there's I feel Ama. like that is. There's Ama. I, I think it might be Ama. There's another woman named like a nun, like, sh- like a nun chief or. Uh, um, yeah, there's a couple different uh, yes. women. But there's Ama and she has like the hug. Like they hug her and she has this like beautiful hug and people like break oh. down and cry and she's just like, yeah. I don't know. I have to figure out that name. I have to give that name out. But um, there are women who are teaching the way of the world mm-hmm. in, in the sense of like it's not just the practice you do within, but it's how you're putting this practice into the world and teaching people how to farm to get back into the earth and to connect with nature again, I think is a really big part of this new wave that yeah. I think women are leading. It's like we're seeing all this 
philosophy being spread, but we're not being taught how to put it into practice. Yeah. So the way that we're seeing being put it to practice is a lot of appropriation because it's tied to capitalism. Yeah. But then there's yeah. these women healers who are, who have this knowledge within them and they're like, you know, I will teach you, but I will teach you through the practice. Mm -hmm. And that is how we will learn how to connect back with the earth and, and heal ourselves by healing the earth. And I think that is a huge wave that is happening right now that I don't think is at the forefront because we are always putting men at the forefront. Yeah. Whether they're enlightened beings, or, you know, good people, bad people, it doesn't matter. But yeah. I think this is this is the time where this new wave needs to take form uh, with a lot of Shakti force. Yeah. Like we've always had a very strong Shiva energy, but without Shakti, there is no Shiva. That's right. And we need to have that balance. And you know this, your name comprises of both. <laughs> yeah. So and I have the Maha Mantra. I love this. Yeah, um, tattooed on and me, I'm not right? saying this because my company <laughs> is Shakti Flow. <laughs> I'm not saying that at all, but I'm I'm seeing it always as a balance, and it, especially as a South Asian colored woman, it's it's so important and it's integral to for my community to learn this, for me to pass this on to my generations. Yes, but also the world to understand that there needs to be a balance. Like, it's not just one or the other. There has yeah. to be a balance, and the true healing is actually going to be coming with the merging of the two yeah the that's two right and i don't want to say two genders because there's more than one two no more it's, than two it's genders, forces right but because two it's energies like, yeah yes. like it's um whether you call them ha or ta or yin or, or shiva yang shakti, or right? shiv it's and shakti forces, yes right? absolutely um which is a lot of when you brought up tantra in the beginning i i always i kind of like i have to like take a back seat in that conversation because tantra has been so misappropriated yeah and the front front focus of that has always been like oh sex it's yeah. not like it, and it has nothing to do i mean yes it's, it's a very small part of tantra but it's not the full it comes and from shaktiism there's so much big conversation and i don't yeah. want to take us on a tangent yeah. but that's all i will say about that is like we need yeah. a whole new episode think, on that uh, <laughs> yeah i think we'll we'll actually wrap it up here we had an amazing conversation there's this is so great so many good points i'm so happy I was able to sit down with you. And, Me too. Uh, yeah. Um, so um, maybe tell people where they can find you on social media. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, I'll have links for everything as well, too. So people can uh, directly get to you. But yeah, just uh, if you want to share where yeah. you're most active. Sure. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Shakti Flow Y-E-G. So Shakti S-H-A-K-T-I flow as in like the water or the elements dot yeah. uh, org uh we're essentially a dance and yoga company a movement company and we work to empower individuals through movement whether nice. it's through dance or yoga so i use both as a catalyst right now to empower people to help people push out of their own limiting beliefs nice yeah and do, do you have any we're on instagram and uh the website was shaktiflow.org instagram is shaktiflow dot sorry shaktiflow yeg you'll have, have the links up any <laughs> events or anything that are coming up anything we are going planning? to have a workshop in august um and then my personal i'm pr on my own personal journey as a dancer as a movement teacher right now and i'm i'm doing some healing performances so there's some upcoming performances in july that you can find on instagram yeah at and then is on you can probably link this but it's oh yeah for sure Shree underscore ness but we'll we'll just put that in yeah that's too much to remember <laughs> perfect but yeah so a lot of performances coming up that it's around healing the womb so that's the work that i've been doing since february is oh nice is how to 
especially for women again, like how to unblock all this tension and this negative energy around women's sensuality and sexuality. Mm. Like we don't talk Super about that negative. enough. Yeah. Um, I'm doing this a lot for myself, but I'm also, of course, I feel like it resonates into um, the, the journey of a colored woman. Yeah. And, and like having all those energies always dumbed down or stifled or stagnant and just told like, you can't use yeah. any of this. And it's really, yeah. and then there's this like expectation of like, got to get married, got to have kids, you got to yeah. do this. And it's like, yeah. well, nothing's been working. So, you know, like, there's a lot of healing that we women, colored women need to do as a collective right now. Yeah. So healing the womb is a very personal project for me. Um, but I will be sharing that in July for with a performance with Ignite Festival. Nice. So that's going to be coming up. Yep, yep. Just finished a dance <laughs> residency with Mal Zero Dance. I have to give them a shout out because nice. that, uh, that was a, a good healing journey for me into the work of healing the womb. Perfect. Yeah. Thank well, you so much. You're very welcome. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Have a wonderful rest of your day and enjoy. Hurry on. Adios. <laughs>